welcome to Next Tuesday Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Caroline. I'm Susie. And we're making women great again. Even though we were always great. We'll see you next and every Tuesday. This is so fucking cheesy. <laughs> it's so, so natural. Okay, we're recording. I feel like we always say welcome to the next Tuesday podcast, so I paused because I was like, how could I start this differently? But I guess welcome to the next Tuesday podcast. We're here. We're here. Hi, Jack. Sniffing me. Um, We are here on a beautiful, hot as hell evening in the South, which happens a lot. It's going to be 115 feeling this weekend. Are you serious? Yeah. I think I heard something on the radio this morning that Friday was, or is, this is going to be recorded before Monday, Tuesday? Well, this weekend is going to be hot as balls. It's going to be hot as balls. Yeah. It's supposed to feel 115 degrees on Saturday, and on Friday it was supposed to be like 98 but feeling like 105 wow yeah well that's fun um no wonder our uh, electricity bill was higher yeah ours was higher too yeah i think it's because it's freaking hot um speaking of fire how do you deal with the heat like do you feel like the heat slows you down fires you up usually it fires me up like with hot yoga that's when i'm just like yes but when it's this hot, I'm kind of just like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it slows me down as much as, like, freezing cold, snowy weather. But I'm definitely kind of, like, slower. Oh, my God. Solange was in Richmond. Beyonce's sister. I don't know where I came up. Yes. What? Today. And she was staying at the Quirk Hotel, which I think is owned or part owned by a woman and she went to the little nomad shop which is like a new brand new children's clothing like eco-friendly i'm probably gonna get all this shit wrong twinsy outfits for bay uh yeah and took a picture with the owner and owners owner owners or just somebody in the store i don't remember but yeah sorry that was exciting i wanted to share that so she's been in richmond what's up solange well that's pretty cool yeah Support small businesses because the Beyonce tribe does. Well, we should have had her on the podcast is what I think should have happened. We should have chased her down. Is she gone now? I don't know. Let's go sit outside the hotel and find Maybe out. Maybe we should like, find her Instagram account and send some direct messages. So if you're reading this and you hear about two people that got arrested for stalking Solange Knowles, you'll know who it was. That would be awesome. One of the things I've been thinking about recently is... Um, I think we all go through this in our businesses and I'm thinking about this from our podcast perspective as well, but growing the confidence to say I can interview anyone or we could interview anyone and that we're worth talking to. Yeah. As we talked about last week on the podcast when we were like, we're going national. I was thinking through all of the women boss ladies I know, and some of them have been teachers and mentors at various phases of my life. Um, but now are, like, killing it, and, like, we follow each other on Instagram, or, like, you know, still have, like, a ton of people we know mutually, but it's, like, that 
initial ask piece that I'm like, ooh. And it, it's yeah, that it's fear like, of rejection, It's a fear right? of rejection, yeah. Because you could ask anything and you never know. And, and I know, I would say to anyone else, well, just put it out there. Don't take it personally. But there's this, like, little bit of... Hesitation. Total hesitation and anxiety. I think similarly, I posted today on Instagram, I'm starting to get excited about what I'm going to start creating. Yeah. And it's it's like that initial excitement about the idea and then... For the first time, I'm like, I'm not going to say anything until I'm ready and it's good and I can like slowly do it to like make sure I feel awesome about it before the product launches. But still, I'm like, I kind of like that I'm moving slowly because I'm like, well, what if no one likes it? Yeah, it can be really scary. I mean, I know anytime I do anything, I'm always like, yeah, what if people hate it? Um, I get... Yeah, I definitely get scared of people who are overly judgy, just being like, oh my god, when is, like, when are you, when is she doing? Wait a minute. But at the same time, just like, who effing cares? The legal profession's super judgy about anything that um, kind of deviates from the exact, like, even just like your normal, like, go to a big law firm, make partner, then branch out on your own. Like, anything that kind of deviates from that is like, you know, why would they do that? So... Do you know what song is coming into my head right now? What song? I gotta go my own way. Oh my god, like the Bruce Springsteen song? Oh my gosh, no way, from High School Musical. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm thinking Zac Efron, (laughs) Vanessa Hudgens. I don't even, I've never even seen that. I don't even know how the song goes, but I think there's something about I gotta go my own way. Oh my god. And I feel like it was probably that, like, pop song. I totally listened to it in college, and I remember dancing to it, being like, yeah! Lindsay was, Lindsay was all about it. My G-Big. Oh, okay. Loved her some high school musical. And my little. So they, like, bonded. I was like, I don't know what this movie is. I think I watched it one time, but the soundtrack was... I think Disney tunes are, like, in my head. Yeah, they're like earwigs. Forever. Yeah, they're so catchy. I had a whole Disney CD that I would, like, keep in my car in, like, the six CD track. Yeah. And that was, like, cool to do. A cool thing. And um, I think that's probably why I still work with teenagers because... You are one. I am (laughs) a teenager. Um, Cool. Well, so I know you talked about, like, not talking about it too much, but things are moving for you? Starting. That's exciting. Yeah. I I know... um, it's funny, I listened back to my episode starting this, and obviously I started a business, a raw food business, and I came back from Bali and was like, scratch that. Then I totally pressed pause and transformed my ideas five million times and was like, just going to do what I'm doing and not worry about it. But now, it's that, like, this is my last week of work. Yeah. Woo! That's exciting. And I think it's that anxiety of being like, oh shit, like, I'm still have some gigs to make some money, but it's like, what is my purpose now? Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm I'm trying to intentionally take August and September to create and not say too much about what I'm doing so that I can... Just make it happen. Make it happen. With no expectations. But also launch it powerfully. Go your own way. Go my own way. 
launch powerfully because usually I'm like really fast it's out there and then there's no like marketing or this or that and then I'm like ooh okay so I am actually gonna like try and really read articles and speak with people and like be at places where my target market is and nice um work all those yeah just like actually execute a business model um but yes I feel like extremely authentic and intentional in what I'm creating and I don't think it's like a forever kind of thing but it's a first step that grows my vision in a way that feels exciting good so with that in mind and those keywords that we keep hitting on who are we talking to this week? Well, funny that you ask because we're talking to the wonderful Megan Hodges, who Megan Hodge, Hodge. Hodges. <laughs> I don't. I think I had a teacher named Mrs. Hodges, and so I always think Hodge as Hodges. So huh. sorry, Megan. Megan Hodge, um, who is now my wonderful acupuncturist practitioner since meeting her. Um, but I saw her yesterday, and she was talking about businesses and that fear and launching and all the things that she's about to talk to all of us about. She's so wise and so such a science-based person, which is really cool for me because I'm very much like, all right, proof, science, processes, yeah. So um, talking to her was really awesome. She's so grounded. Yeah. So without further ado, Megan Megan Okay, we're recording. Welcome to the next Tuesday podcast. We're actually recording this interview on Tuesday. So, literally, welcome. Yeah, we rarely record on Tuesdays. Right? Do we record, record on a lot of episodes? It's like Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. But we're not we're not stuck on those days. It's usually like whenever someone can and we can and yeah. Anyway, happy Tuesday. Yeah, happy there. Tuesday everyone. We're here with Megan Hodge. She is the owner, operator, HBIC. Is that an accurate title? HBIC? What does that even mean? Head bitch in charge. Oh, totally. oh. <laughs> Amazing. That's me. That's accurate. Of her own acupuncture and wellness studio, and she's here to talk to us about what it's like sticking needles in people all day. Or like cups, right? You do yeah. cupping. Herbs, cups, needles. All yeah. That, all that weird stuff. Well, I mean, we've talked about weirder shit. Let's be real. Like, some of what we've talked about before is just, like, I'm, like, so lost at the end. But I'm, like, so on board with acupuncture because, and I've told this story to my friends, but maybe not, like, you know, the entire world. Like, I'm getting ready to do right now. I used to have really, I had really, really terrible pelvic pain problems, like, all through my junior, senior year of college, and then my 1L and 2L year of law school. And my, I was in Boulder and my doctor out there said, I'm an acupuncturist. It's kind of like a last ditch thing. And here's me, terrified of needles. Didn't think it was going to work. And now I'm fixed. <laughs> so crazy like that. it was like the reverse placebo effect because I was so convinced it wasn't going to work. So it's even like overcame the placebo effect. <laughs> Look and at that's you. It. And look at me now, guys. See, I'm always <laughs> trying to bring Caroline on this, like, more Eastern woo-woo train. Yes. Well, I'm super on board with acupuncture, and I consider it, like, super 
medical. I, I do too. That's, yeah. Um, it's a medical service. And, you know, you get practitioners that practice more of an energy medicine style, but that's not what I do. I see patients with medical problems and we make stuff happen and it's awesome. So talk about how you do that. Like what, how do you just, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I'm struggling. Guys. Well, maybe first, if you want to explain acupuncture to those who might be sure. unfamiliar. That's yeah. a good, that is good, Suze. <laughs> I'm just excited. So, uh, you know, a lot of people get intimidated or sort of, you know, lost around the concept of acupuncture. There's a lot of misconceptions out there. And, uh, you know, for very, very good reasons. You know, I remember when I graduated UVA in 2003, I heard that one of my classmates was thinking of going to acupuncture school. And I remember like laughing and like thinking like, what a lunatic, who does that? Isn't that funny yeah. how so much has changed in the past, you know, five to 10 years to yeah. make Eastern medicine so much more mainstream? Yeah, and it is so much more mainstream now, but it has a long way to go. And I, you know, had a very strong background in the sciences. I, um, you know, studied in the psychology department at UVA and, you know, have this very, you know, rational mind and I'm naturally a skeptic. So it's kind of weird that I, ended up here but I was just somebody it just all started with somebody loaned me a book and I you know slowly got introduced to it and was working at this tea house in Charlottesville and just kind of having the opportunity to play with different herbs and after thinking the concept of herbs working was garbage like was just kind of seeing it in action like making people's colds feel better and whatever and so I got turned on to it and curious and eventually I decided that this was the helping profession I'd been looking for and so I've always tried to my my scientific logical mind always kind of wants to marry these eastern concepts with the western ones that everybody understands so I spent a lot of time thinking about this and doing research and thinking about why acupuncture works and you know what what's going on and now you know even just in the last five years there's so much research that has come out that's starting to explore the topic so you know what I know is that acupuncture is interacting, you know, in essence with all the systems in the body in, in different ways. And, you know, we can go in the literature and find evidence that it's changing circulation patterns, that sticking a needle in somebody's toe is changing blood flow patterns in the brain. And, um, you know, that it's anti-inflammatory and, you know, changing hormone levels and all this kinds of stuff. And, you know, so there's a lot to learn in terms of you know, using Western science to help us clarify and expand upon, you know, what acupuncture can do. But, you know, there's already such a rich tradition and such a rich scholarship, you know, thousands of years of written material in, in China that, you know, we can go back and look at and, and study. And some of the oldest texts are, you know, amazing. They, um, you know, predict what happens when blood flow in the leg gets compromised and the rest of the body. Whoa. Yeah. I love Pretty this. Neat. Because as one person, you combine Caroline's practical mind with my more interested <laughs> in the spiritual and all the things that are somewhat unexplainable in a way that is digestible for someone coming in to say, like, I'm open-minded, nothing's worked, how can we work together to explore yeah. what this might create for my life? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I even get patients, like you know, men whose wives sent them in. And you can tell they don't exactly want to be there and they're kind of giving me the stink eye a little bit. You know, that was me. <laughs> they maybe say something like, you know, I'm I, I'm skeptical. I don't, I don't know how this stuff works entirely or whatever. And I just laugh and I say, neither do I. I'm a skeptic too. I get it. It's cool. And we laugh and just carry on. And, 
you know, I think it's, for me, it's important to be real with people. And, yeah. So um, my first introduction to acupuncture, I think, was in college or right after, watching private practice. Oh, yeah. In, <laughs> I remember uh, that episode. Um, the, just, they had a holistic doctor's office, mm-hmm. and it was that spinoff from Grey's Anatomy, yep. and I loved Addison, mm-hmm. and I just was like, oh, wow, this acupuncturist guy is pretty cute, and, like, he's sticking needles in people, <laughs> and, like, that looks kind of cool. Um, and then I'm so interested in Chinese medicine and thinking about the way that the body works in the elemental facets of it and then thinking of meridian systems which I know aren't all Chinese systems and acupuncture lots of different ways so when you started acupuncture and you signed up and you went to school what was it like for you to just begin this journey coming from a psychology background and then being with herbs in the tea house what was it like dipping your toe into this very different kind of mentality that it sounds like you came from I it was it was a lot of things it was you know amazing and exciting and overwhelming and you know I very much had this feeling that I was you know stepping into this journey that was gonna definitely last for the rest of my life and a lot of that is because the medicine comes from a very different culture from ours and you know where the way that you know people use their brains to think about concepts in the world is totally different than the western mind you know like two opposite things can exist in a single thing and that's no problem it it exists the the pattern exists in the language you know in western mind like you can't be like hot and cold at the same time can't you know yes you can because if you have the flu you have a fever but you're freezing well that was a bad example but like sorry i can't really the young right how it balances or I just get hostile when people don't believe things, so that's not directed at you. That was directed at people <laughs> in general. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's the concept where you need two opposites for a thing to exist and, mm-hmm. and be healthy. So when you study Chinese medicine, you're not really just studying medicine. You're also studying cultural concepts and language. And, you know, I don't speak Chinese. I wish I did. I wish that's a whole other dedicated lifetime pursuit. Yeah. But, you know, I was fortunate enough to have teachers that really wanted to help us understand the cultural concepts as much as possible, which really under, helps you understand the patterned language of Chinese medicine, because all the language is code for larger patterns that are existing in the body and in nature. And um, so it was very overwhelming to, to start. And I've been in the game for 11 years now, and I, just, I it still boggles my mind all the time. So how long is acupuncture school? Uh, it varies. If you just want to study acupuncture alone, you can do that in just three years. Just uh, three years? Just that's, three years. I mean, that's law school, and I thought I was going to die. So, yeah. like, that's that's a, that's a, a heavy pursuit. Some programs will do acupuncture and herbs in a very crazy three years. The school that I went to was had the most credit hours in the country at the time, and it was a four-year program. But I thought that was nuts, and so I did it in five, and I got, like, a part-time job in Portland. and. Wow. And I worked in a coffee shop and had What school you know, did had you go fun. to? Uh, the National College of Natural Medicine, which has since changed its name to the National University of Natural Medicine. I, yeah, last year I was looking into a million different things that I could do with my life, and I was looking at um, becoming a naturopath. Which oh, yeah. Same is, school? Uh, yeah, they have a great program they because do. there are very 
few schools in the United States which can offer you the curriculum mm-hmm. to allow Four you to practice. Schools, maybe. And, and Virginia doesn't recognize a career or a profession as a naturopath. And yeah, they don't license them. Yeah. Or, uh, like, or um, I learned dance therapists. Huh. They don't license dance therapists either. Interesting. Well, just throwing it out there. But it's really interesting for me because in Australia, when I was living in Perth, there are naturopaths everywhere. Yeah. It is such... People go to their naturopath more often than they go check in with their primary care doctor. And that's kind of where I'm at at this point in life, where I'd rather go see someone to help me naturally cure something mm-hmm. uh, than go get all these tests or blood and essentially say, like, yeah, I know I'm okay, yeah. but I have this specific <laughs> concern that I know I'm going to tell you my symptoms and you're going to send me away being like, yeah, I don't know. So it's just a waste of my time and your time, and I don't want to pay for insurance because it's not going to yeah. fix my problem. Wait, um, so... But how would you address someone, like, in this situation? I think that provides a really, like, jumping-off point to, like, her. It's, like, how do you address that? Because I'm sure you get a lot of people who come in with that problem. Like, when somebody comes in and is, like, these are my symptoms. No one can figure out what's wrong with me. How do you help that? Oh, that's... I mean, that's that's normal. That's (laughs) when I get the most excited because I... I feel like I have so many tools for those people. And I just say, you're in the right place. You know, I'm, I'm... I have a lot that I can offer you. And so I just... I sit down with people. I have them tell me everything. I'm a my practice. The more information, the better. I tell people those little things that you would never tell your doctor. Tell them to me because what I do is based on pattern recognition. And if I can't see the whole picture, it's harder to get the right diagnosis from the Chinese medicine perspective. So I want to know everything. You know, I have people literally fill out 12 pages of intake paperwork before they even step into my office, and then we talk for at least an hour before I do any treatment. Wow. So. You know, it's just, and I'm not locked into the insurance system. There's many doctors that would love to be able to practice that way, but they're just locked into insurance. It's hard to have a private practice and not take insurance. And so I'm outside of that system. Virginia is uh, very behind the West Coast in terms of, you know, insurance companies that are paying for acupuncture, which is a blessing and a curse because, uh, you know, a lot of people can't afford it. And that's the bad side. But the good side is that I get to practice however I want. And so I can offer people something really amazing and really um, spend a lot of time with them and get to know them and really give them individualized medicine that's so cool yeah my it was funny because when I was in Colorado is when I was doing acupuncture when I was living out there and my insurance paid for it and I was like what yeah, that's like, that's amazing too. Yeah. Well, this year I was surprised and grateful. My insurance covered chiropractic services, mm-hmm. which I think you know. That's a step. Yeah, totally. And it definitely saved me 500 bucks on pockets. So wow. It's helpful. You mentioned that you have a bunch of tools and like a toolbox kind of mm-hmm. that you can use to help people figure out what's going on, help fix them. Mm-hmm. So like what are some of those tools? Yeah, so, you know, it, it varies. And I, from person to person, I don't do all these things with everybody certainly, but from the strictly Chinese medicine perspective, you probably get taught acupuncture, you probably get taught Chinese herbs, um, you probably get taught some nutrition, um, you probably get taught some uh, different types of movement exercises. Traditionally, it's called Qigong. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks a lot like Tai Chi, but it's more focused on um, you know, building the body's internal resources to help make it healthy. 
um, you know, and it's, you know, maybe a distant cousin to yoga. There's similar traditions. It's a little more related to the martial arts. Oh, and cup, cupping and mock Sebastian. What is, what, what? Mock Sebastian? <laughs> yeah, so cupping is, uh, a lot of massage therapists are doing it these days. You know, you basically take, you can take any kind of cup or mug or, you know, bamboo vessel or whatever, and you just create suction and you put it on the skin. And I call it a reverse massage. Um, it leaves, you know, to be crude, marks like a like you got a hickey, but it mm-hmm. forces the tissues to get flooded with blood and body fluids. And so, if you have pain or tightness or an area that's just not getting enough good juice, might need you to do a little cup. <laughs> it helps a lot. And moxibustion is one of the more esoteric, uh, you know, to the Western mind practices in Chinese medicine, where um, they take uh, f- the floss or like the velvety fuzz from the mugwort plant and they process it to basically form, there's different applications, but traditionally it's like you form that you take the, this fuzzy stuff and you make these little cones with it and you light the top of the cone and it burns down towards the skin and it releases infrared heat. Infrared heat penetrates uh, the body more deeply than regular heat. Right. Most, uh, some styles of uh, the moxa do this. And, you know, there's just this idea that giving the body small doses of focused heat has a specific medical effect. And, you know, the blood carries heat. We need heat to be healthy. So, you know, it's just like a microdosing heat kind of. That's cool. And I think that, so I am literally just pulling this, what I'm getting ready to say out of my butt. So there, I could. I just have wrong. a really bad visual. <laughs> it's like exploding boobs. I know. Like, so after after episode, boobs. I was like, we were talking about like our bodies, and there was a full moon, and I was like, yeah, like literally, my boobs are exploding. Yeah. And now I've done and it again. I was like, I was gonna edit that out of, and Caroline was like, no, it's good. And then I just did it again, so now I really can't. Well, anyway, you know, exploding boob or pulls them out of your butt. It's all good. Anyway, we're, so like, we are crude on this podcast. We are. I'm it's explicit. We're explicit. We have an explicit Sorry. rating. So, um, no, but like, why do people love hot yoga? Because it's like hot. Why? Like, there's infrared saunas now, and then there's what did um, there are infrared things that doctors use to help heal wounds mm-hmm. so like there's something there right it like, increases circulation connected. it reduces inflammation it's not you can't give everybody a single therapy and expect everybody to respond well to it not everybody should be at hot yoga sorry hot yoga people yeah um but I was just for the people say. that need heat it's amazing so can you explain that to people like me or can anyone the the five element system is you know, one of the bases that we have for the, the whole pattern recognition thing that I'm talking about. So there's all these symptoms and characteristics that are associated with the, the different elements. That's, you know, really just kind of this coded language that we're talking about that's all based on, you know, observations in nature. All the medical descriptions in the traditional Chinese medicine are essentially based in, you know, using this coded language that describes what they're seeing in nature and how that looks in the body. So, you know, you hear about the five elements and it sounds like some Cosmo quiz type of thing. (laughs) You know, it's this really deep understanding of how we are not separate from nature, how we are exact representations of nature. And I love when you draw it out. Maybe we can post something about it 
near this episode, but I love how it's so connected. So when you're out of balance in one, it impacts the other. And then it's right. kind of a star. So you see all of these elements and then they're all representative of organs in your body. So like wood is associated with your liver. Yes. And the gallbladder. And the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. And that's because in nature, wood is, uh, you know, you see it rising, you see it growing. And so the, the liver they see as having a special relationship with growth and upward movement. And it's also associated with the emotion of anger, which if you think about it, is like this up flaring in the body, like you feel it coming up into your head. So mm-hmm. there's this kind of, you know, this like representational coded kind of understanding again. And then wood creates fire. Yes. You need wood for fire. It feeds fire. It feeds fire. Like, just, like, literally, you know. But, yeah, I think it's so interesting. And I think I am a big um, fan of metaphors. And so anytime I can understand, for me, science, I found, I loved biology. And chemistry, I found interesting. But then once you start talking about molecules and all of these mathematical things to my my brain already, like, just talking about it's like, woo. Uh, But when I think metaphorically of nature and of various other things, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I get myself better now. Yeah. So it's helpful, I think, for me to kind of understand. Yeah, it's very, you know, in a sense, it's very much a a metaphorical understanding of of the world from our perspective, from the perspective of Chinese people who grew up in that culture and, you know, very much have that understanding. It's a very literal understanding for them. But mm-hmm. to us, it looks more like a metaphor. Well, but, it's so cultural. It's yeah. ingrained, whereas we were told, like, you go see your doctor and you have some disease. And they look at it in a microscope and take a swab. And you're like, what? Yeah. Really? We have this very mechanistic mechanistic understanding of, of the world mm-hmm. here in the so, West. What has it been like seeing these two worlds kind of, because it seems like they've diverged a lot. But, like, I feel like maybe now they're starting to come back together. A little bit more like have you what has it been like seeing traditional east wait we're western western <laughs> traditional western i'm from the eastern shore of maryland so i constantly am like i'm from the east no <laughs> not really um western medicine accepting and kind of t- starting to recognize and work in these west eastern there you go these eastern <laughs> practices i think what they're is in common is you know there's some branches of western medicine like functional medicine that are starting to uh, develop their practices functional medicine practitioners are starting to develop their practice around looking at the root of the problem and that's what that at its core that's what chinese medicine is doing and for me i felt like it was the um best way for me to help people by getting to the root of the problem. So, you know, in that sense, the spirit of it is the same thing. The way that they came to exist is very different. But so we're starting to see movement in Western medicine towards this, oh, maybe we need to look globally, holistically, looking at the whole person to figure out what's really wrong with them instead of dividing them up into all these pieces. But then, you know, some of the more... um, advanced cutting-edge hospitals like Duke and uh, I think the Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland Clinic, they all have acupuncturists on staff. Mm-hmm. What? And yeah. health coaches. Yeah. Wow. So there's there's a big movement happening that I think is uh, fueled by people who are really dissatisfied, you know, by the status quo. There's plenty of people like me and you and you who we have our little health 
things, you know, we're not dying, and uh, but we don't want to feel this way necessarily, and there's not a lot that most doctors can offer us. You know, they, they if they're if you're dying, they can save your life. It's amazing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Which, and I think we, like, sometimes people are hard on doctors, and they're like, oh, doctors, like, they don't fit. But, you know, no one's saying they're not great because they do. They do amazing things and yeah. save no, lives. Save and, lives. Yeah. Like, but it's, it's a, a great day to save lives, guys. It's a, Western medicine is a quality of life medicine versus a quality of life medicine in a lot of cases. That is so, that's deep. That's some deep stuff right there. And I think, too, it's a systems thing. We, it's big business, one. And I think sometimes it gets, like, the the dollar gets translated more powerfully than one's well-being at times. And I think that happens in insurance. I think depending on your income, it becomes a class. Like, there's so many factors. Like, it's such a, a complicated issue. But I know just from exploring my own um, journey through my career and then personal journey, I think sometimes there's this just desire to understand yourself better and what you're going through. Like, for me, so much has been centered around my menstrual cycles because I just am debilitated and it's one of those things that western doctors say you know we don't know you don't meet the criteria for PCOS or endometriosis or anything that like I'm like oh I have this and it's Mm -hmm. like no actually you don't um and they do the sonograms to see whatever and it's like you're clear nothing no fibroids (laughs) nothing so many people have that same story too which is crazy right and I'm like literally I am out on the toilet with chills, cannot function for seven hours. I feel like I'm going to die. And you have absolutely no explanation other than to tell me to go on birth control and feel better, which is just mass symptoms because all of a sudden, yeah, I'm not in the bathroom every month. Instead, I have this gluten intolerance and stomach pain and I can't eat certain foods and I lose a ton of weight because my body is now function over functioning or just doing something unnaturally. Um, and then it, it's, it's become like this health journey, which then becomes like a food issue, which then brings all of this new awareness. And then, you know, it, there's so many layers and it's almost like you need to develop. I love the, um, there was a woman in Australia who was in kinesiology and she had this like idea of a wellness web because I feel like you kind of just need a team of people who you can go to at various times when it's like just something isn't functioning. I don't know why. I'd like to understand myself because the more conscious I am, the more I can make decisions that are helpful for me. You know, if I don't have to take a pill that all of a sudden, like I can't live my life without this pill and I'm spending thousands of dollars and then, you know, my, it, it becomes, you know, I can't leave my job because I need this insurance because paying for the cheaper insurance now has me paying $2,000 to buy these pills like that are free with my, it's, it's so complicated. So... That's my tangent. I want to circle back to something you mentioned, Suze, um, or maybe it was Megan. I don't know. We were talking about business. Um, so let me kind of diverge into the business sector of this. So you own your own studio. Like, 
Yeah. Center. Centered Richmond. Yes. That's me. And that's kind of a big step. So how did you decide that that was what you were going to do? Like, did you, you, did you practice anywhere before that or did, were you just like, nope, I'm doing it? Well, uh, we'll have to back up. Um, because acupuncture is not, um, you know, it's in, in a sense, a new field, a new ish industry. There aren't a lot, honestly, there aren't a lot of acupuncture jobs. You mm-hmm. know, you, it's hard to, jobs are rare. They're becoming more frequent, but when I graduated six years ago, there were hardly any. And I knew that going into it when I started grad school in 2006, that if I was going to do this, I was more than likely going to have to start my own business. So I've known that for a long time. And I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, um, especially on my dad's side, everybody has their own business. So I grew up seeing it. I felt very comfortable with it and uh little known fact this actually isn't my first business <laughs> what? What was first? it was a my first business was a baby business i had a crepe stand that i ran out of a farmer's market in charlottesville in like uh, 2005 awesome. yeah who doesn't love crepes because if you don't crepes? like crepes there's something probably wrong yeah. with you it turns out i have a serious lactose intolerance which mm. is really sad so you know me and the crepes parted ways eventually but oh dude Okay, sorry. That's amazing. I'm sure you can make some vegan ones. They're hard. I can. It is totally possible. There's a great Vietnamese recipe that had uh, Sarah McGloth. Uh-huh. McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Yeah. She posted yeah, about a while ago that's okay. like yes. based in coconut milk. She made them the day she came and interviewed. I love these little circles that like things Y'all. happen and I'm like, huh. Um, I can make some raw ones too. So at some point oh, I'll have to have you over for some annoying. raw okay. crepes. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. So you, I'm sure you learned a lot from the crepe business. I learned a little, you know, I learned the basics. I learned what you need to do to get your business open in terms of legalities and licenses and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, learn, you know, have my first lessons on accounting. And, yeah, I I, I learned some things from the baby business. It really just lasted eight months. And then in that same year, I decided I was moving to the West Coast to go to acupuncture school. Um, Wow. Yeah. So that's where it all started. Mm. So So during acupuncture school... You were probably also kind of like picking up stuff about business ownership too. Yeah, you know, you uh, observe clinical rotations, and you know, you can develop relationship relationships outside of school with the different um, professors. And I had one that I built a relationship with that I went in his clinic every week and observed. And he had a uh, you know two or three room clinic kind of similar size to mine but you know he's like a world famous guy people are flying from all over the world to see him so yeah it was great to take opportunities like that to just see how people were doing the the day-to-day business running stuff making it happen wow so when you started and thinking about business and I love that your name is centered it is such a holistic field what was your experience kind of being meditative or conscious or practicing and this leads into another question because right now there's a huge thing coming about of this idea of um, conscious entrepreneurship or what is it to run like conscious businesses Um, so I'm interested too in like if yoga was a part of your life or if meditation or just thinking about these practices that are mindful 
if that was something you picked up in school and and how that might influence your position to be in business or how that impacts you know the day-to-day behind the scenes when you're not talking about health and wellness with an individual yeah um so i um in college i i guess this is (laughs) very atypical but i started meditating in college i had a part-time job at bodo's bagels in charlottesville oh my god and i met some cool freaking people working there Yeah, they're so good. If anybody's ever in Charlottesville, the best bring me one. And I met a friend who was really into practicing qigong, which we referenced earlier, which is you know basically the kind of part of Chinese medicine. That's this generative, restorative type of practice, and similar to tai chi or yoga. And I got super into it, and I practiced and meditated probably at least five days a week for a couple of years. And it totally changed the way my mind worked. Before, my mind was just like, you know, just jumping around, noise, crazy, you know, negative self-talk. And just over the span of those two years, it just got quieter and quieter and quieter. And man, what a blessing that was. Yeah. We were drinking in college and you're sitting there. (laughs) <laughs> like doing good things for yourself. You know, I did that stuff too, but I I, uh, I, I, I got really into it. So kind of a weirdo, but I'm good with that now. Mm-mm. And uh, in terms of like uh, being a conscious entrepreneur or whatever, I don't. I feel like I don't have to think about it too much because I'm offering people this service that I believe in so deeply that I feel like has the power to transform people's lives in such a positive way. And there's something for everybody that wants to come in a sense and not to say that I can heal everybody it's not like that but I just try to give people as much value as I as I can teach them how to live healthier feel better every day you know sometimes it's just basic stuff that people get out of it and so you know from that sense I just feel so good about what I do and there's a big tendency in my field, especially amongst Chinese medicine practitioners, where there's a lot of guilt around accepting people's money for their work. Like they just like they want to help so bad and they just want to give and give and give. And that's just not a sustainable system. You know, you can't pour from an empty vessel. You it's know? an energy. Not. Right. Money is just an energy. It's an exchange. And I, I need to live my life and feel good and happy and healthy in it so that I can be my best at work so that I can give people the service. And so there has to be an exchange and I feel fine about that. Acupuncture school is very expensive. It's I medical imagine. school expensive. And so I have bills I need to pay and I don't feel bad about that. I'm not a rich person at all and I probably never will be. I'll be happy if I can manage to save for retirement and not to make anybody feel bad for me at all. I just... Well, I, think, I feel good about the exchange. Yeah, and I think that's something that isn't talked about often when we think about entrepreneurship. We talk about this with a lot of people. Like, it it seems so sexy to have your own business. Like, it seems like, oh, cool, you're doing this awesome thing. And especially if you believe in it, it's like, yeah, good for you. Like, it looks so great. Yeah. But I think, you know, the reality, regardless of if you're killing it financially or you're making ends meet or you're paying back like hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans, um, it's a choice. Yeah. And there has to be a boundary because it's just like anything. The more you start giving, the more you start becoming resentful. And as soon as 
your business becomes something you resent. You no longer show up. And then again, as an energy, people know that. And all of a sudden you're losing business because no longer are you that person that people are seeking out because it's all over everything that you're doing. I was very aware of those issues going into it. So I planned my schedule and my life and my pricing so that that was never going to be a risk because I love it so much. Like when you meet somebody you're so in love with, you know, you want to treat the relationship with care. You want to give it respect and feed it the way that, you know, it needs to be fed or, you know, if you have any experience relationship with relationships, you know that if you don't do those things, it won't work out. And I want this to work out. You know, I'm just, it's my life. Yeah. So I got to take, I got to take care of myself and I have to take care of it. So cool. I love thinking about a business in terms of a relationship because so often it it's so easy and I do this myself is just to either force it or feel like it is just like these words on a piece of paper or it's remembering the bigger picture and remembering too that like even the things that you don't like every day are part of the larger whole. Totally. Um, and then thinking again about you know Eastern medicine, it's like. Um, and, and even just psychology and just thought theory, it's, it's like the whole is the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about the big picture and you think, I think sometimes how you want to feel within that more so than just ticking things off of a box, but remembering that in every moment, like this is to feel a certain way, or this is to create something to feel a certain way, it changes the way you show up and and create I think yeah absolutely but something happens in my personal life that upsets me and I don't get a good night of sleep and I show up to work the next day you know operating at 90% I feel terrible I hate that and I do everything in my power to three days a week right now that I'm seeing patients to make sure that everything's in order so that I'm there and present and like giving people what they're there for that's really important and you know we're human like it's not like that every day but yeah. It's important to me to try. Yeah, it is important. I mean, I think especially when you're doing something so intimate, like intimately involved with people's you know, space and yeah. problems. And one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what is it like having to be responsible for an office or like a medical facility? Yeah, it's a bigger deal than I thought. I even in Chaco Bottom, I have pretty my rent is very reasonable but at the same time it's still almost fifteen hundred dollars a month and you know that's uh that's the mortgage for a lot of people you know so it's it's a it's more of a responsibility than I ever totally anticipated like I think when I was in school I was imagining lower overhead than is actually possible in reality so I don't stress out about it but it's it's a bigger deal than I thought about and it's important not to uh discount that if you're planning on going into business if you have very little business experience you should probably double what you think your overhead's going to be as you you know do your calculations I'm thinking about insurance how yeah insurance that and you know, just the nitty-gritty stuff like keeping the place clean and there's just a lot of details i, I use an app called wonderlist to oh, just yes. write down all the garbage that's flying through my brain the one million things that need to happen to get the office open or whatever and that takes a lot of my stress off is just having it written down in a place so that I'm not having to remember and remember and remember the things that need to happen that's the hard part actually yeah. is remembering and 
uh, getting all the things done that need to happen. To me, that's the hardest part. This is a question that I've had and I want to ask. Yeah. Where do all the needles go? <laughs> like after? <laughs> yeah. They go into a sharp spin, like a, a medical sharp red sharp spin. Okay. And there's a great service. It's called Sharps by Mail or something. So you, uh, they send you the clean ones and you mail the filled dirty ones back to them and they dispose of them properly. But yeah, it's all medical sharps. Oh my gosh. So there's a service that does that? Yeah. How brilliant is that? Mm-hmm. God. More <laughs> things you have to think about building into your finances, though. Right, like, yeah. And you mentioned that you see clients three days a week. So how do you navigate your schedule when you're interacting with people and then kind of having days, it sounds like, where maybe you're focusing more on building the business or the marketing? How do you create that boundary within your business? Yeah, I mean, I kind of just made some random choices that felt good for me. I see patients right now on Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. I'm also just trying to figure out what days I'm going to go see her, you know? Like, really, we're just spacing really, this out trying to schedule yeah. things in. And I, you know, I'm really good at having things scheduled, but a part of me doesn't like having too much of that in my life. So I leave Tuesday and Friday kind of flexible to just kind of do whatever networking or QuickBooks or you know just whatever marketing all that stuff that needs to be taken care of I just kind of freeform it on the other two days a week and you know sometimes on Sunday afternoon too it's a it's a full-time thing yeah the next question I have is do you have somebody that rents office space from you yeah so I uh, rent uh, one of my three offices to a wonderful woman whose name is Erin LaMountain and she's a massage therapist and she's been like I've had a lot of roommates, like yeah. <laughs> just kind of a thing of our generation. And she, she's not my roommate exactly, but at the same time, she's definitely one of the best roommates I've ever had, which I'm super grateful for. Yeah, so she, yeah, she's a great massage therapist, especially if you're somebody that needs to like bring it down and like have a really relaxing massage. She's so good at that. What is it like being a landlord, like a business landlord? Uh, she makes it really easy. So. <laughs> It's not like much of anything, honestly. I've, I've been a tenant landlord, and that can be really stressful. <laughs> really be stressful. Yeah, with the landlord-tenant acts and all that stuff, too. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. But um, So I guess the follow-up question for this is, what's the craziest, like, weird office story that you have? Like, we've all got that one story, like, oh, it's the office late, and, like, the tiles all fell out of the ceiling, or, like, something bizarre. Like, a, a bat flew into the building or like something weird that you have to now take care of because you're in charge of the building yeah so um part of the building so i my office is in a very old warehouse down in the bottom it's so pretty. built in the 1850s and one of the exterior walls started collapsing <gasps> a little over a year ago oh my lanta <laughs> yeah so this wasn't my responsibility exactly, but it just required a lot of uh, navigating because it was just outside of Aaron's office. Oh. And so there were there was basically two or three months, it felt like two or three years of the construction outside where they had to have this big heavy piece of machinery that was like a mini, uh, I don't know what you call it. It wasn't a crane exactly, but it was just like elevator lift. Yeah, it was a lift. lift. Oh my God. Yeah, I so wanted to ride one of those. They like... had this masonry guy and engineers and they had like to put bolts in the building. And so that was just a total nightmare trying to like schedule patients around that. Yeah. And, uh, that was that was pretty nuts. There was another time that um, a, an elderly homeless guy started banging and yelling outside of my 
door and I was alone in the office at the time and I was like hmm what is going on what you know like what do I do does what are I I don't know what his intentions are I don't know if he's well and I slowly walk up to the window and he's just kind of yelling in it's hard to understand him. I hear him say 911 and I said oh do you need do you need me to call the ambulance for you and he said yes and I said okay I said are you are you okay he said, yes. I said, just wait there. I'll call. And the ambulance came and he, he was fine. He was alert, but I, he might've just needed some, some help. saline solution. I don't know. The ambulance came and they took care of him and actually left without him. So whatever he needed wasn't so urgent. I don't, I don't know wow. exactly the yeah. whole story, but you know, I'm a woman, I'm alone. I'm yeah. at the bottom. Like you have to weigh like safety versus, you know, compassion. And it was just, you know, it all happened it's in the hard. span of two minutes and never want to leave somebody on the street that needed help. But at the same time, you, you don't, you don't know who's at your door. So yeah. it happened very fast and he that's got taken hard. care of. And, well, that's good. Yes. Yeah, so that ended up well for everybody. I think you yeah. probably made the best like call in that situation. I mean, there's just a triple homicide. Yeah. Like, if he had collapsed, I would have been, like, out there doing oh, CPR yeah. or whatever. But he was alert and just kind of slurring his speech and made my medical assumptions about what was going on without being able to touch him, and it turned out okay. I've seen, him, I've seen him around since then, yeah. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> we had, I, we had a, um, someone like that outside of our law office, and they kept telling us to call um, one of the personal injury lawyers around here that has, like, a commercial, and it was like, are you this person? And we were like, no. And he was like, but are you this person? We were like, no, do you want us to call him for you? Like, you don't know what to do. So yeah, but it's kind of a hard situation because you really want to help people, but you're like, I'm also alone. Yeah. So I need to be careful. Well, yeah. and that's like taking care of yourself so you can yeah. take care of your clients because, you know, viewer, taken. What's going to happen? Neil, what's his name? Isn't there to come get you? Um. Okay, so we're over. Oh, can I ask one more yeah. question? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, and this takes it totally to a new level of woo. Woo! Woo! Um, okay, so you mentioned that you do your acupuncture within the medical kind of symptomatic uh, realm with people. And so I, this is like way more about me, but I'm just curious from an energy standpoint. So as I've been like moving through these various healing modalities, I've been doing some energy work. I'm, I'm curious from an acupuncturist standpoint, like, Energetically, how does energy and acupuncture relate, or do they? I, you know, that's a really, that's a broad and difficult question. I, I think ten acupuncturists would answer that ten different ways. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, in my personal life, I'm very open and interested in energy medicine and all those kinds of things that you just danced around and mentioned. But in my personal practice, I just, I've kind of come around to not thinking it that way. When I was in school in Portland, and Portland's such a funky, Mm -hmm. uh, cool, alternative-minded town in a lot of ways. You know, people are very much in the trenches in terms of thinking about that stuff and trying to work with that level of intention and, you know, whatever. And just on the East Coast, culture is just so different that I, I didn't really bring that back with me it's not something that I think about Mm -hmm. in terms of the acupuncture or talk about it and it's not the intention that I'm working with Mm -hmm. with people so it's not really uh it's just not really what I do in my in my practice yeah um but that being said I do believe that 
the you know the human body is you know we're comprised of energy just study a little bit of physics and quantum physics you know mm -hmm. everything is connected the boundaries of our skin is a total illusion time is not linear it's a circle you know everything is connected so while I don't think about my medicine that way I think it's important to remember that you're whatever you're doing you're impacting people in ways that you can't possibly anticipate so it's sure. important to treat everybody with care and gentleness and listen to what their mm -hmm. bodies are telling you what signs are coming up and I also think that the human body has powers of perception that we as a culture don't believe in or don't totally understand so mm -hmm. I think it's just important to sit back and listen to what's in front of you and pay attention and keep your mind open yeah so I don't know if that answers your question no I think that's really fair and I think I'm just interested in various holistic practitioners views on it I think yeah. I'm dabbling in so many different ways and so many levels and I've been interested kind of in I always talk about Bali but Bali was massive for me this year but when I was looking at Chinese um, medicine and concepts it was kind of interlinked with metaphysics absolutely and so for me like it's just this interesting like weave in and out of like okay the body is experiencing something in a way in which it's so subtle that the conscious mind and the unconscious mind like we just can't figure it out um so i'm, I'm just curious about people's point of views yeah. thanks caroline if we want to find you and talk to you more about things like acupuncture and health and get ourselves fixed and <laughs> fix periods and get our stomachs well and all that jazz, where do we find you on the internet and in life? Uh, so on the internet, centeredrichmond.com. Uh, Instagram, I handle as I think centeredrichmondacu, ACU been more on Instagram lately than the Facebooks, but I post lots of articles on the Facebooks if you want to <laughs> learn about just general health stuff. I do see your, I read the, a lot of the stuff you post on Facebook and it's actually really interesting. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook's kind of terrible because they'll show your stuff to like 10 people. Yeah. Unless you're paying for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and in real life, my clinic is in Shaco Bottom downtown, um, just right behind the Poe Museum. The Poe Museum. But you have to make an appointment. You can't just show yeah, up. Yeah, it's it's by on. it's by appointment only. Exactly. You'll yeah. have a long line. <laughs> hey, Megan. I hope so. I I love what I do. It's super fun. Awesome. Well, as always, you can find us online at www.nexttuesdaypodcast.com. You can find us on the Instagram and the Twitter at next Twitter Twitter not Twitter. <laughs> You can find us there at Next Two's Podcast. You should probably email us. Always email us. At nexttwospodcast at gmail.com. Say hi. Say hey. Tell us what you think. Tell us your thoughts. Rate, review, and put your good thoughts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.